Welcome to the Everyday Vacation Podcast. My name is MJ Gordon, minimalist entrepreneur and lifestyle coach, and I'll be sharing with you resources, people, and messages to help you create more balance and energy so you can live life on your terms. Thank you for being here with me today. Let's get the vacation vibes rolling. Welcome to today's episode. I'm MJ Gordon. I'm excited about today's episode because we get to discuss the neurological basis of fatigue and ultimately physical pain and how to get out of it. Our guest is a personal friend of mine, Molly Hart, a pelvic health physical therapist who has been featured on my YouTube channel a few years back. Her drive in life, in her own words, is to serve others with her God-given gifts and to create a life she loves living daily. I can personally attest to her amazing ability to generate abundant energy and balance for herself. She really has hacked the ability to do it all. She is passionate about health, a business owner, wife, and mom to two young kids. She runs her own brick and mortar, helps tons of women, has a colorful social life, an amazing husband of equal caliber, fur babies, chickens, rental properties, and so much more. This woman is seriously amazing. Her passion for helping women started with her mom's cancer journey and her own discovery of having the BRCA2 breast cancer gene. Currently, she specializes in helping those who experience pelvic pain rebuild intimacy and health without fear, medications, or risky medical procedures. So without further ado, please welcome Molly Hart. So I'm really excited to be here. Molly is actually a really close friend of mine and um, we, you know, she's just amazing in and out, not just in her practice, but just as a person, as a whole, one of my most favorite people in the entire world. And so thank you so much for being here with us, Molly. I've just been so excited to have you here. Yeah, no, I'm so excited to do this with you. I mean, you're incredible. So this is, it's really just going to be us hanging out. I know. <laughs> Like we normally would. I know, um, and we—I mean, last time you were here at my house, which wasn't too long ago, we were—we—I yeah. was holding back from talking about, you know, the nervous system and uh, about your programs and what you offer your clients because you're a physical therapist and you've been on my channel actually a long time ago talking about floor sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. If, if anybody has seen that, um, you know, this is a a. a what do you call it? Another cameo for you here. But, um, but I was holding back cause I really wanted to save it for this conversation. Cause I have like a billion and one questions. And what I love about you so much is not only how passionate you are about helping people, but about how authentically interested you are in this subject and knowing it back and forth in a way that you can present it. That is actually, um, palatable and manageable to to go through the process and do so what we're talking to people who are trying to level up their energy trying to get out of feeling stress overwhelmed burnt out fatigue um i mean let's just enter there right like this is your field i'm just gonna leave an open space here like tell me why so many of us so many of us that are young and inspired like for you and your patients like what are you seeing is going on here like why are we burning out When I became a pelvic floor PT, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I love talking about sex, poop, and pee. And so when I learned I could get paid to talk about those topics, I was like, sign me up. Um, Because I grew up in a family that we just were very open about talking about these topics. I have three brothers, and it was just a crazy, loud Italian family. So... When I became a public floor PT, I did not know what I was doing. I got training, I had mentorship, and I started having all these women come into my office who are having so many issues, especially postpartum. You know, they're having pain with intercourse, they're having bladder urgency, bladder leakage, they're having a lot of low back, SI joint pain, um, and nobody can solve it, nobody can help them. And I'm also learning as I'm going through this process early on in my career that our medical system sucks. And it's not doing anything to help them. And they're just really going years in, in all of this discomfort and pain and being put on all these you know, antibiotics and, and procedures and bladder sling surgeries. And it was just mind blowing to me to see all the crap that was happening to us as women, how bad women's healthcare is, and why are women falling apart? Like why are our bodies falling apart, especially postpartum? And so I realized really what it comes down to is women, especially, um, 
we overload ourselves. We way overload ourselves and we don't have enough help. Like here we are having children, but then we're also expected to work and we're also expected to really do majority of the childcare, majority of cleaning, majority of cooking, and we're doing way too much shit. We actually don't, most of the time, I think, ask our partners for enough help and ask our family and our community for enough help. And so we're doing too much and then our body shuts down and becomes sick because it cannot sustain the life that we're trying to live. And so this is what I started to learn. The practice I was in um, really didn't allow me to treat in the way I needed to treat to get people better. So I quit and I started my own practice. And I was like, I'm going to do it the way it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's where my passion is. And so I treat both males and females, actually, but mainly um, men and women who have a lot of stress and anxiety. And then it ends up turning into, unfortunately, chronic pelvic type pain. Um, low back, pelvic, hip area pain, and I get them better. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's interesting how this is actually not just a prevailing issue, but one that seems to be continuing to increase as we go on. I, I like that you mentioned like we're doing too much because I think we forget that we used to come from these tribal communities that had a lot of support, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally as well. So now yeah. as women, we're, you know, a lot of us try to be this stronghold for the family, for our children, for our partners, for our business lives, etc. And I think that on the outside, it looks like it's not that much, but it's really quite a lot to carry every day. Yeah. yeah. What, what people don't understand is that you can actually, the human body is so interesting because you can actually, it depends. It depends. Each person's body has a different capacity for what the nervous system can tolerate. Um, so some people who are really high level functioning, they can tolerate pushing themselves at this intensity. So they're working, they have kids, they can do it all. It sucks. They're not necessarily loving it, but they can do it for quite a long time. But then for sure, guaranteed, I promise you, by the time we get to be in our fifties, everything is going to crash and burn. And you're going to, like, we're going to then suffer from some type of chronic health issue and it can be cancer it can be an autoimmune disorder. It can be um, hypothyroidism and like diabetes even. Like it, there's all these things that we see in women that start to manifest. And I'm a true, true believer at this point in my life. It is because we have overloaded our system and our body is then going to manifest disease because of it. It can't keep up. So yeah. some of us can get away with it and then it doesn't hit us until a little bit later in life, which was my mom. And I learned this from her very, very much so. And then I learned it from my patients. Um, and then some women cannot sustain it actually at a young age, even in their teens and 20s. They're really struggling. And what's sad for those women is they feel um, like a failure a lot, like they can't keep up and they think they're doing something wrong. But really what it comes down to is their body really can't keep up with the American culture and it's already shutting down at a very young age. And I tell those women that I treat, because I treat a lot of women in their early 20s, I go, be thankful that your body is shutting down this early because now you have to figure out how to live life actually better and more healthy. And you're going to then now be a woman in her fifties and her sixties who is functioning at such a higher capacity and such a higher level because you had to learn this at a young age instead of living for 50 years, way overloading yourself and then learning that hard lesson with a serious health consequence. Yeah. So, so talk to me about this because um, I was one of those people in my twenties that yeah. crashed and burned but then here I am, you know, in my mid thirties where, you know, I went through recovery, I did lifestyle adjustments and I do feel like a mega high functioning person. I mean, yeah. we're busy, you know, I've got businesses, property, homeschool children, a baby. I mean, you name it. And I, I think we're on the same page here where you're not telling women to like sit down and not do right. Right. No, I'm not. Uh-uh. Okay. So I'm, I'm high, right. I'm high functioning. We can all be high functioning. Okay. It's a matter of being really intuitive, actually. You know, we, so many of us are not intuitive. Um, culturally, I do think, especially women, we're, we're, I do think, at least in the American culture, we're taught to not necessarily listen to that as much, and it depends on how you were raised as a parent, with your parents. My mom taught me to be very intuitive. I knew, I know that now. I didn't know that when I was younger. Um, so it's a matter of listening to your body. So, like, okay, you're at a high level right now, and, and so am I, actually. But here's the thing is life can throw bombs at us and we never know when those bombs are going to come. So when that happens, let me give you an example. 
last year, I lost my mom. The year before that, same day, same day, I lost my dad. So they died on the same day, a year apart. Um, I had my daughter and my dog passed away. My husband left for military out of nowhere. I had a bunch of hardship all at one time. Yeah, and the thing is to understand is that life is always going to throw moments of hardship at us. It's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, here's where the problem with these high functioning people like you and I is that then they don't stop and they, you have to then unload. So everything is about like how much the nervous system can take on input wise. So I'm going to keep it more simple. With our nervous system, we've got external and internal inputs that our nervous system is taking on. And so those inputs, I'll give examples, um, can be something as simple as movement, pressure, temperature, humidity, um, stress, so the stress hormones, and then all the things like that we're doing, right? So these are all external inputs. Yeah. And then we've got internal inputs, um, such as the food that we're eating and how that, even the bacteria in our microbiome, like how that digests it. Um, we've got our hormones, so forth. So we've got these inputs. What about emotions? Is that, in, is that included in that? Yeah, um, no. Yes, no. I'll tell you. So emotions, no. They're, they're an output. So there's all these inputs coming in. That gets sent up to the brain to be processed. The brain processes all that information very quickly, all at the same time, using also all the information it has from the past. All of our, you know, subconscious inputs that we've learned and we're programmed with, especially when we are in our early years, and just all of the things that the brain knows. So we get all these inputs coming in, the brain gets it, it processes it, and then it has an output. And the output is an emotion. So the output, if we have, and here's what I say, if you have, you want to think of your inputs always um, like a simple balance beam. There's danger and safety. So if my, if I have too much danger input and my safety is down here, I'm probably going to have an output that's not very fun to feel, such as pain, such as stress, such as anxiety, such as sad, um, such as um, lack of motivation, fatigue. So all the things we hate to feel as humans, that's when we have too much danger input and not enough safety input to balance it because it is a balance beam. So if we have a lot of safety input, so when life is feeling really good um, and we have a lot of safety happening, such as there's not a, like, I don't have any financial stress. I'm doing really well with my relationship with my partner. Things are going well I'm in my personal life with my kids. You know, there's no bombs happening. Um, when I have a lot of safety inputs, that's when I feel calm, peace, um, motivated, energized. All those things that we're all chasing after to feel. It's interesting the things that we do as humans to try to chase that because we're so, um, you know, not on the right page a lot of times in the American culture to get that that high feeling. So that's the output. So we have all these inputs, the brain processes it, and then we have an output. Um, and so we can never always have great outputs. As humans, we're going to fluctuate between the two, but we most of us would like to, majority of the time, feel a good output, right? We mainly want to feel happy and calm and at peace and so forth. And there's ways to do that. So when So when we have these high-level people like you, and then a bomb, a bunch of bombs hit. What's important to understand is then, as all this danger input hits, you have to then add a crap ton more of safety input mm. to balance it out. And if you don't do that, you are going to really be in that not so fun output state for however long this hardship lasts. And the body can maybe handle that, no problem, for a couple months. For a year, okay. Years? Years you're doing this now? oh, you better believe you're going to start to have some health consequences. Now all of a sudden I have autoimmune disorder and I don't know why or I don't know why but I've got hypothyroidism or I've got a chronic fatigue syndrome or now I've got chronic pelvic pain and I don't know where it came from. And then you talk about their life and you realize for the last three years they've been in a shit storm and they've had no safety. That's what happened. <laughs> so, I ha- so I have all these questions popping up. Yeah. How much of this is mental and versus physical? Um, you know, and because obviously we can put ourselves into like hyper anxiety just by thinking something, you know, worrying, yeah. right? Perceive the thoughts right. are an input. The thoughts are an input. Right. Okay. And then at, at, at some point, is it true? And I feel like it is because, you know, in my life, I feel like the the safety that you're talking about or that, that recalibration of bringing balance back, um, over time, what I've experienced is I need less and less of that 
for more, more and more stress. Does that make sense? Like I can take on more stress with, with less having to recalibrate and balance. So I just wondered if you could talk about those two things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your first question was, is it more physical or uh, mental? It's both because our thoughts are inputs and physical. If I am the one who is working my job physical, let's say I'm the primary caregiver. I'm mainly doing all the cooking, all the cleaning. That's a lot of physical aspects that I'm now doing. So those are all inputs. Okay. So, but then we have our capacity. So let's just do a hypothetical capacity. Let's pretend my capacity is at like a hundred points. My nervous system can tolerate a hundred points of input before it flares before. And the flare can be emotional or physical or both. So a flare, when we flare as humans, I'll talk about an emotional flare. When you're one of those moms and you're doing well, and then all of a sudden um, you spill your coffee and then your toddler's screaming in the background. And then you realize you missed a work call and there's like all these inputs all at once. Right. And then you kind of just lose your shit. (laughs) And now you're like, I can't do it. And you just scream or whatever happens. Everybody has a different way that they emotionally flare. That's a flare. So you went over that 100% capacity. Your nervous system now, it was overloaded. If we talk about like the cup analogy, right? You just overflowed. Um, So both mental and physical inputs are going to be going into this cup, let's say. But your capacity can grow. If you understand the nervous system, you can grow how big your capacity is. And you can grow how much input you can handle in one moment before you'll flare. And so what what you just said is I can now handle a lot more input before my system flares. And so I I teach my patients how to do that because most of the people that I'm seeing, their capacity is not even at 100. Their capacity is so freaking low that the smallest amount of input that you just regular daily life is flaring Mm -hmm. every single day. And they're not flaring just emotionally. They're also flaring physically. Physically, So every day they're having really bad back pain or really bad um, bladder urgency and feeling like they have to go pee all the time um, or just pain in the, in the pelvic area in general. So there have my patients specifically are having a combination of these physical and emotional flares all the time. And so what I'm teaching them is, listen, we can never get better if you're constantly flaring. You will never get better. Um, so what we have to do is understand why we're flaring, and I teach them how to do that. How do we get the body to be at what I call, we're going to find your tissue tolerance. So we're going to find that capacity and what your tissues can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And every day I'm going to challenge you right at that level because if I under challenge you I can't get you better either so I have to challenge you right at that level I can't push you too much because mm-hmm. if I push you too much you flare and so we find that level and every week we go up by about 10 to 20 percent only and I can talk a little bit more about what I mean by 10 to 20 percent um, and then every week we go up 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 so by the time I'm done working with them I have helped them grow their capacity and I've helped them to understand how to take away danger inputs and add in safety inputs to keep the balance beam either at least balanced and maintained or even, you know, with safety up higher. Because what we really want to avoid is danger being higher. And when danger is high, let's at least get it balanced so that way we can survive and not go down in function. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, I love I love the way you color it, you know, from your perspective in uh, in my process. We talk about the edge, finding the edge and pushing the edge to avoid, but, but not so much that you do crash and burn. I love that physical idea of the balance input. And what I, what I realized reflecting back on my own, uh, experience is when I was chronically adrenally fatigued, you're right. Like regular daily things, my flares were huge. They were massive and it took so much weeks sometimes to come back to equilibrium. Whereas now what I do realize is different is I notice these flares much sooner. First of all, it takes a lot more, but my awareness and sensitivity to them happens so much sooner that the the bounce back is so quick. I mean, it could be as quick as five minutes sometimes, Molly. Right. So that's not even a flare then. So what that is, is. So, to me, so a flare, I tell my patients, by the way, for anyone's listening, I didn't come up with this when I'm talking about. I teach this and I live and breathe it, but this is all called pain neuroscience education. So what I do, I took a, uh, I did an intensive program at the VA in their chronic pain program. And my mentor at the time had just gotten done with Adrian Lowe. 
he has an incredible course. He's an, a phenomenal researcher for chronic pain. Like his research, if you want to look up chronic pain research, he's one of the top dogs in there. And she just got done with an entire year mentorship with him. And then I got stuck with her. <laughs> I say stuck with her because it wasn't hard. Um, and every week I had like 15 new patients who were from the VA, like the worst anxiety, PTSD, crazy, crazy intense. Like talk about the most difficult patients to treat. Yeah. And I learned um, all this pain neuroscience education and that, and that people can actually get better. That was the first time I ever, as a physical therapist, saw that people can get better who are in like really bad chronic pain. Um, but back to what you were saying, a flare is defined and I tell and I, I go over this so much with my patients and my online courses I have an entire section called pain education and they have to go through the videos. They don't have to, but they do because they pay me a lot of money, so they better go through it. <laughs> so um they go through all this pain neuroscience education and a flare is defined as it has to be greater than two points above their baseline pain. So let's say their average, you know, weekly pain for the last two weeks was a five out of 10, <clears throat> if it goes up higher than two points, so let's say it's at like an eight out of 10 and it lasts, it's gotta last for at least 48 hours and it typically will last minimum three days when we flare ourselves. So for you, like you well, might have like- flare, flare then. Yeah, you're not flaring. So you might have like started, you're starting to unravel, but now you're so aware you're able to easily balance yourself back out and you're not flaring. So that's why before you said it would last weeks, because you were you were flaring then. And so my patients that come to see me, they are flaring. And if you do it way too much, you really flare. And it can be, you know, a couple of weeks, two weeks, it can be months now where you're in this really intense flared state. And now your baseline actually has gone up. So now you have a new higher baseline and it's going to take more work to get your baseline to come back down. So what, do, so what is it when, uh, so there are two things that happen regularly for me. The main one is probably like an overstimulation like an external overload. This is something that I've learned recently and we've talked about um, yeah. where, uh, like for example, we were at the aquarium the other day with the kids and it was fun, right? There's lots of people, there's lots of things going on. We're here, we're there, we're everywhere. And it was just this amazingly fun day. And then we get in the car and here's what I noticed. The girls are hyper, they're excited, they're talking, you know, dad's playing the music and they're all so excited. We just had this fun day and I'm so quiet. And they're like, hey mom, how are you feeling? I'm like, honestly, I just really want everyone to shut up right now. <laughs> and I just like felt. Yeah, so, so what is that if that's not a flare? And they gave me that for like 10 minutes and I was good to go. Like all, I just needed 10 minutes of silence. Okay, so, okay, I love that you said that. So. I wish I could draw on here because I draw a lot like when I teach my patients. So I'm going to, I'm going to do this as best as I can visually via talking and you're just going to visualize with me. <laughs> um, so there's, there's two pathways that lead to total and utter destruction of the human body. Um, deconditioned state. One is called over and underdoing and one is called fear avoidance. And those are the two categories that people will fall in when their body and their life is just going in a downward pathway. Over and underdoing is what most women fall into at first, at least, which is where, okay, so I'm going to take us back to like, not now, where you are now. Right now you're functioning on a much higher level and you're not flaring, but back when you were flaring. So we might feel relatively okay. We wake up, I feel like I'm feeling better today. Like my back doesn't hurt. I'm not feeling overwhelmed. But, you know, the last three days I didn't do shit because I was feeling overwhelmed. And so I didn't go grocery shopping, I didn't clean the house, the dishes need to be done. And so that day, because I woke up feeling better, I do it all. I do everything because I haven't done it. So what happens when we do that is in the moment, here's what's so interesting about the body, is in the moment, the body will let you do that. It will allow you to do all this stuff and it won't actually give you warning signs, um, intense warning signs, it does, but you have to become more intuitive to understand yourself. But it doesn't really give you a strong warning sign. What happens then is the next day, either that night, but for sure by the next day, you wake up in the morning and now you flared. And so now I wake up, if it's an emotional flare, now I feel exhausted. I feel like I just went out of bed. I'm like, how am I gonna do today? Um, or I'm physically, now my back is in so much pain and I just like can barely walk. How am I gonna go to work? And so then I'm gonna call out of work. Or so now I overdid, and so now I'm gonna underperform for a couple days. This is a flare for at least three days or so. Now I'm gonna really underperform to like recharge myself. 
just to then wake up day four and feel a little bit better and repeat this over under doing cycle. And so if you're someone listening right now and you're doing this where you're like having days where you do a shit ton and the days where you don't do much at all because you overdid it, just know, I'm not trying to be mean, you're never ever going to get out of that cycle and be in a positive state of being if you keep doing that. Behaviorally, you have to stop doing that. Um, the fear avoidance <clears throat> is where now I've learned every time I'm around this person, I flare. Every time I go for a walk, I flare. Um, so now I'm just going to stop being around that person. I'm going to stop going up and down the stairs. I'm going to stop going for walks in the neighborhood because every time I do it, it flares me. And so I start being fearful and avoidant of things that shouldn't be avoided. And so now I actually decrease my tolerance to deal with those inputs. And so now a year goes by, two years go by, and now I can't even be social around people. This happened a lot with COVID. People became so um, stuck in their little house that then when they started to interact with people again, their capacity to deal with that input of socialization was flaring them all the time. And so there's a lot of people who now have social anxiety because of because of COVID. I'm laughing because it's not because it's funny, but because it's so sad to me. Yeah, I mean, I just um, got, my hair just stood up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so with you, going back to your original question, um, what's happening in those moments is your nervous system is at capacity. You are at your tissue tolerance when that's happening. And you're recognizing if these kids of mine don't shut the <laughs> hell up, I'm going to scream my shit. <laughs> so I need to decrease input. So what are you doing? You're decreasing sound input. You're decreasing maybe even light input. So decrease input. And now my nervous system can calm down and I can not go over that capacity. So you're now not constantly blowing past your tissue tolerance and capacity and flaring. That's what's happening. Mm. You're catching mm. it in time. So the second you realize it, you have to lower input. So when I realize that's happening with me, I, oh, I do this all the time. I go lock myself in my room. I turn off all the lights and I just chill in my room and quiet. So low input. No light, no sound, nothing. And I just lay in my bed and I'll just breathe. Or sometimes I'll even just play on the phone, but you have to be careful what you're doing on your phone. Yes. That more inputs, right? Yes. So you just want to lower inputs. And honestly, if you just give yourself even 10 minutes to do this, you can really like recharge and then you can go back out there and be the best mom and wife and self that you want to be. So that's what so that's what I was going to ask. Is it is it a full recharge in that like low sensory break that you're that I mean does it can you really fully recharge? No, you're not fully recharging, but you're lowering. Okay, let's, so here's what I want you to think about. Pretend my capacity is 100, and I'm at 100. Like I'm in the car, my kids are screaming. I'm already at 100, and I realize I'm about to be past that. I'm about to like scream at them. Like whatever whatever people do when they flip, like when they get overwhelmed. Everybody's different. Um, so you thankfully verbalize, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Can we all just be quiet for a moment? Like my nervous system, I even said this to my daughter. I'm like, okay, your nervous system's overwhelmed. Like when she's acting out, because kids don't know how to regulate this. I don't even do, I don't do like timeout. We, I call it timeout, but I go sit in there on her rocking chair. I hold her, I give her her binky and we rock back and forth and I sing to her and the lights are all off. And I put the sound machine on um, if she wants it, and I turn it off if she doesn't want it. And what I'm doing is I'm just creating a really safe, safe input, and I'm allowing her nervous system to chill for just a moment. And so we're not recharging, but at least I'm getting her down to, let's say, 90. And for me and for you, like, I'm at least getting down to 90. So now I've got 10 more points in there of inputs that now I can handle to finish out my day. But ultimately, what I do need is a really good night of sleep, and I hopefully will wake up the next morning and I am recharged, as long as I don't overdo it. But if I go home then and do a bunch of shit, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep, I'm going to keep going right next to that hundred and going to feel like all day long, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. So yeah. if you're there, that means you're doing too much for where your nervous system capacity is at. And you do need to take a longer recharge than just 10 minutes, but a 10 minute recharge can at least like give you some room to be able to go on to whatever task you got to do next. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, we talk a lot about Pomodoro <laughs> breaks. Yeah. And so it's like five minutes every 30 to 60 um, to just, right? I find that when I do this, by the end of the day, I'm still like, let's go, you know? But when I'm just blowing through my whole day because I feel like I can't breathe and I got to go, by the end of the day, I'm like, everyone leave me alone. I need yep. to just lay down and do nothing, right? And it's so it's so interesting because 
um, a lot of my clients, a lot of my students don't really seem to understand the value of this toning the nervous system down, as you call it, um, not just, not just during the day, but before sleep and stuff as well. So I kind of was interested in how you would relay how we get that full recharge. How do we ensure that we get that full recharge? And also how do we increase that capacity to have? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So how do I get them to realize it's necessary? That's where the pain education is. So humans, we won't do something unless we understand why. So if somebody tells you to do something, you're not going to do it unless you understand why. So that's why I have the entire pain education module. It's like 11 videos and it's really so fun. Like my patients all the time, they're like, I love these videos. Like, it's not like I'm sitting there doing science lessons, but they have to understand the science behind the nervous system. And I do it in a really fun way. I actually recorded it on Zoom. And so I am, I am like drawing a lot on the whiteboard function and just going through, again, it's called pain neuroscience education. And so once I understand that, I don't have to convince them to take breaks anymore because they just understand it's necessary, right? I, I don't know. There's no convincing needed at that point. Um, it's teaching them how to be intuitive. It's teaching them how to understand their body. How does your body function? Oh, now I understand it. Okay, cool. Like I'll, I'll take a break. Um, I don't know that we need a full recharge. A full recharge is awesome. I love a full recharge. But as moms, um, I wouldn't even expect a full recharge. Like I, you know, I get woken up, God, like two, three times a oh night right gosh, now. I <laughs> um, am I waking up ever fully recharged? Nope. That's but am I functioning? Real. Am I functioning really well? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because I take breaks and lock myself in sensory deprived, like I sensory deprive myself of inputs until I can get to a level where I'm at a good function. Um, <clears throat> the problem with that sometimes is like, so my husband's military, he leaves. So sometimes I don't have the ability to have help. So I learned with my daughter, like when I need a break and I can't, I actually can throw her, throw her, <laughs> put her in the bike. I put her in her little carrier in my bike and I go for a bike ride. And me, for me, being out in nature, um, is healing beyond belief in being, she's in the bike. I don't have to entertain her. She's quiet. Like it's a way for me to recharge, but still have to parent. So there's ways that you have to figure out sometimes with your situation is like, if I don't have help and to be able to lock myself in my room, then how do I recharge while still being a mom? Um, or while still at work. When I used to work at my physical therapy place, it was nonstop. I used to go sit in the bathroom and put a timer on for five minutes. And I would just do my diaphragmatic breathing. And I didn't have that five minutes, but I gave it to myself because I couldn't, like, I just knew I wasn't able to survive without it. Um, And so I'm like, they probably all think I'm in here taking a poop and I don't even care. I am in here breathing, trying to survive this day. (laughs) um, There was something else you asked. How how do you increase the capacity? Yes, increase the capacity. So you have to learn how to stop flaring. So I talked about um, over and underdoing and fear avoidance will never allow you. They're actually going to decrease your capacity and decrease your tissue tolerance. So how do you increase it? So that's what I teach all my patients. And I want you to think about it like going upwards. So you figure out what your tissue tolerance is, what your capacity is um, to where you will not flare, but you are challenging it every day. And then every single week, you want to challenge yourself about 10 to 20% more. So the way that looks for my plan of care is with my patients. Um, I do tissue work on them and I give them a massager to do tissue work on themselves and I have very set protocols for the amount of pressure that they're using with that. So we start off with a really light pressure and then little by little we increase the pressure. So let's pretend they're having a lot of abdominal pain, back pain, buttocks, hip pain. Um, I'm using that massager, they're using that massager on themselves and I'm using it, I'm working on those areas when they're seeing me. And I have a very set protocol for every single week, little by little we're pushing that. The level they're supposed to push it on it when they're using it is i call it a three out of five and it's edge i use the word edge you're going to edge the discomfort so my pain scale i use with them is zero to five zero is just pressure it doesn't bother you one is slight discomfort two is that's uncomfortable three is that's very uncomfortable i do not like this but i can tolerate it that's the edge four is pain i am literally in pain now my body is saying stop i don't want this it hurts like i can't even you know, like I, I just, this is so uncomfortable at this point. And then five is like that sharp shooting, intense pain we get. And so I tell them, you got to use this massager at a level three. And when I'm doing tissue work on them, 
the entire time I'm doing tissue work, I'm pushing them to about a three. And then I'm coupling that with diaphragmatic breathing and I'm teaching them. So the sensory part of the brain is sensing this sucks. I'm at a three out of five, but then my frontal lobe, I'm saying I want your frontal lobe to then now connect to this, that this is actually safe because what we're doing mm -hmm. is safe. It's just very simple. If you don't use the frontal lobe to connect um, the meaning behind the sensory input, we won't get the same neurological changes. So right. that's the way that I'm increasing capacity for them to be able to tolerate movement and pressure on their bodies physically. Can because you, just sitting for a long time can clear them. In layman's terms, though, because uh, yeah. you know, this when the prefrontal cortex makes that connection. So here's, here's a great way to think about it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, just for our audience who might be like, what is she talking about right now? <laughs> yeah. Don't even, I don't even know that we even need to worry about that, to be honest. The, the biggest thing to understand is little by little, um, you're, in, you're starting at an input you can tolerate that doesn't clear you. And you're then going to slowly each week increase that specific input. So I was talking for that one specifically, it's movement and pressure. That's the input. You could do vibration. You can slowly increase the vibration. These are just different inputs. Um, you can do this with temperature, right? We know when Hoff, right, he does this with cold and heat tolerance. And we know that heat shock therapy and cold shock therapy are so good for you. But you have to slowly increase your body's ability to tolerate the temperature increase or decrease. So with any input, strength training. I'm going to strength train. I can't just go lift a huge amount of weight because I'll break a bone or I'll tear a muscle. But if I slowly build up how much weight I'm doing little by little, I can then go from doing, you know, 50 pounds for a squat to now I can squat 200 pounds, no problem, right? So it's always with the human body, it will adapt as long as you slowly increase the input and you want to find where the tissue tolerance is at. You want to challenge that every single time and little by little, it'll adapt and become bigger. And that's how you increase your capacity with any input you want to increase it with. And I love it because, you know, when you're talking you're about that connection with the prefrontal cortex, which is basically, this is, this is like your brain area that is a distinguishing consequence. Like if I do this, like what are, what are the consequences? Right. Um, I like the, the way that you describe it to me, the way that I translate it is that we can literally with our mindset make a decision and so you and i were talking about this over dinner the other day where i was like you know what i noticed when i used to when i first moved to florida and i would get all these ant bites you know they would start biting and they would ah. hurt and i would get like these horrible pimple like so itchy i would have to take benadryl it was the worst and so like I was scared of getting bitten by ants all the time, but it was also not convenient to wear socks and shoes because it's freaking hot in Florida. Yeah. And I decided like, I was like, wait a minute, my body's having this reaction because it literally thinks that ant bites are a threat. It's, it's like a localized allergic reaction. So yeah. I, I like started to think if this ant bites me, I'm just going to tell myself it's cool. It's yeah. cool. like, it's not a big deal. I'm like, listen, body, it's just an ant bite. It, you know, there's, there is poison, but it's, it's going to be fine. And what's crazy is when I started doing this, I did not have that same localized reaction anymore. It would turn yeah. red, but like for just a, a day and it was fine. Yep. A hundred percent. No, you're completely right. So like with kids, they say, you look at kids and how they react to when they fall and they hurt themselves. Um, because the thing is, is, People think, so here's a big thing to understand, and this is so important. People think pain is because of tissue damage. I hurt myself, I'm going to have pain. Nope, uh, wrong. That's the Cartesian pain model. It's been disproven, but we all still think this way. You can break a bone and have no pain, actually. You can have a completely healthy body with no tissue problems and be in yeah. chronic pain. Yeah. Why? Because pain is an output. And there's an output because there's too much danger input and then the brain is processing this and the way it processes it has to do with what you just said. Like if I then also add in these thought inputs of like, no, this is safe. I'm adding safety is what I'm doing. The brain's going to process that amp bite differently. It's going to process a kid falling right differently and then going to have a different output. So, um, yeah, I'm, um, 
what you're describing when we can, when we're in a calm state of being, we can use our logical thought processes to add more safety input and balance out what's happening around us. Um, and then we're going to have a, the brain's going to process that differently, that message differently, and we'll have a different output. So an example I always give for this is, um, cause we're in Florida. So I say, Hey, let's, take this dumbbell here that's in my office. And I said, if we're walking around barefoot in my office and you step on this while we're working out, I said, is it probably going to be painful? And they go, no, probably not. And I go, would your foot even revoke away from it? No, because it's not a big deal. I go, take the same dumbbell, put it in the ocean. The water is really cloudy and it's stingray season. And you step on the same dumbbell now in the ocean. Same input as far as what your foot just touched. But what is different? Visually, the input is very different because I'm, I'm seeing things. I can't see now what touched my foot. I'm also environmentally in a different input. And my brain has a past memory and knowledge of understanding that in the water, there's stingrays and that can hurt you. And this is a threat. So in the ocean, when I step on that dumbbell, my foot is naturally, I'm not going to think about this. It's going to naturally revoke away and I'm going to immediately have a stress response and it might even hurt. Was tissue damage created? No. Was it the same input? Yes, on the foot it was, but the brain processed it differently there before we have a different output. So, so yes, we have so much control over our pain because, thank God, we have so much control over our thoughts. But a lot of people don't know they have control over their thoughts. So that, that's a whole other different like ball game to go down that I do go on with my patients because our thought inputs are the most important inputs that are going into our system. And when we have stress and anxiety constantly, individuals who are really anxious are always their thought inputs are always thinking often about the worst case scenario. Mm. And so those are danger inputs. And then the body's going to react. The, the hormonal system of the body is going to react to that, right? Because now we're in really intense sympathetic state. My endocrine system is going to respond to that. All my neurotransmitters are going to now respond to that, go into the bloodstream and tell the whole body, all my, all my cells, like, hey, listen, we're in a stress response. Yeah. You know, yeah. I might just be sitting in my room. Ready to nice truce. Cool air condition but because my brain is telling the story about a bomb hitting my body doesn't my physical body doesn't know any different and so it's yeah. literally yeah. responding as if something dangerous is happening even though there's nothing dangerous happening so you like you know, to um, address people lifestyle wise so it's, i love it because it's it's so interesting how our programs are so simultaneously similar um except what you know what we do on our end is first we clear the clutter the external so those are all the inputs right so we start with a physical space first because like jumping to mental is just when you're in a high stress state i mean like forget about it like you know uh, your that cognition is blocked off it is blocked. You're right. You can't. You can't logic. You can't actually change your thoughts when you're already flared. Right. So, yeah. um, so you know, we start first with the external physical um, okay. things. Clear that out, right? And then we do also then health. So we talk about food, diet, exercise, like habit management, etc. And then we get into the mindset stuff. Because by then, you know, even after the external thing, everybody's like, whoa, like. I'm a totally different person from three weeks ago, you know? Yeah. So talk to me about your pro, because I know, like I, I, told, I called it. Look, we're 40 minutes into this. I know. <laughs> I I'm just wondering, like, what time are we at right now? We're, oh, I can see the timer now. 40 minutes. time goes. It's so crazy. Like, I knew that I could, we could stay here for hours. But uh, talk to me about your program, you know, what? who can benefit from it, we talked a little bit about how you help them understand the neuroscience of pain. Let's talk about that. Cause I'm, I'm both of us are passionate about this exact same yeah. thing, which is just helping people get out of their chronic pain exhaustion. Yeah. I mean, and too, if you want to break up the episode, I mean, whatever you want to do. Um, okay. Okay. Real quick. I'm going to tell you about the program, but I want to just give this little analogy. One of my therapists taught me that I freaking love and it goes on to what you just said. So she used her fist. And she said, this is your frontal lobe. And this is like the brain, this is the part of the brain that can really change the mental part and the thoughts. And then this is your emotional brain, your amygdala, your hippocampus, hypothalamus, right? The limbic tiny little things that just... Right? And so when we flare, like I was talking about, um, what happens is this happens. And so now my 
my frontal lobe disconnects from the emotional brain and what happens is the emotional brain takes over. And so when we're in that state, you cannot logic your way out of it. You can't just change your thoughts easily. Your yeah. thoughts are chaotic at that point because you're in your emotional brain. And so when we take away all those inputs, like you just said, the physical inputs, what happens is now we can go back here. Mm-hmm. And now once I'm here, now I feel like myself again. Um, and now I can start to do the mental thought process changes that do need to occur. Um, but we have to get here first. So, yeah, that's really good. You're saying let's take away some input so we can take this brain, this mom, this dad who's here, and let's bring them back here. And now we can really do the work that needs to be done. Um, <clears throat> okay, my program. So what I do is when people come in um, in person is I do an evaluation with them, which I take 90 minutes to do that first initial eval, which is we go through a really in-depth talking about stuff, about their health, their overall health, um, bladder, bowel, sexual function, because I treat a huge portion of my population is treating women who have pain with intercourse. Um, and that's why my program is called The Happy V, The Happy Vagina, The Happy Vulva, right? So um, then I either set them up with an eight-week or a 12-week plan of care. That's all I ever do. I am intense about education. I do not like my patients to become dependent upon, to come see me. I want them in, I want them out. I want them to be empowered. I want them to be educated and knowledgeable and then to apply that into their life. If they need more afterwards, I do still see my patients after that time frame, but it'll only be like, um, it, it's much less frequent and it's more of a maintenance at that point. It's nothing additional. Um, that they need to learn. They've already learned everything, actually. So if, if I only need eight weeks, I do 10 60-minute sessions with them. If I need 12 weeks, I do 14 60-minute sessions with them. Or they're coming in and I'm doing a lot of physical treatment on them as well as talking about the education. But they have the online program, the Happy Bee program. They are going through those videos. I tell them and ask them, hey, you know, this is what you need to go through this week. And then we discuss it in the sessions while I'm physically doing the work on them so I don't have to take up time. Um, I have a home care kit that they go home with. I teach them how to do all of their own manual treatment on themselves. So their pelvic floor work, their external work, all of it. I make it all be in their own hands, so their control, because we know from the research, if you're actively managing your plan of care, then you'll have significantly better results and better long-term results as far as like chronic pain goes. Um, and I have a goal sheet. So on the goal sheet for the whole time we're working together, I have their goals listed on there and what they need to be focused on every single week. It's not overwhelming, because I'm already trying to not overwhelm them, but it's just very precise, it's very detailed, and it's very organized, because if I don't organize it, what I'm gonna run into is that over-underdoing, which can happen. Yes. So I have to have it psycho-organized, and I do that, because I don't I don't even put that on them, because they're, they're, they're not in a phase of life to be able to be super organized sometimes. Um, and I have it all detailed, like this week, this is what you're going to do. This week, this is what you're going to do. And we just go through it. And then they age 12 weeks. And then they're on what I call the road to recovery. It's not that they're necessarily totally 100% heal in 12 weeks. Because um, somebody who's been in chronic pain for five years, that's not going to happen. But you're on the road to recovery. And now you just need to keep doing what I taught you. And you will be anything you want to be. Whatever it is you want to do. Do you want to just live daily life? Or do you want to be able to go run marathon? doesn't matter. You can do any. It's just a matter of how do you, how far do you want to push your body. That's so that. amazing. And so this, but this is pro, the Happy V program is something that anybody can get into. And from my yeah. understanding, it's um, it's really good, especially if you're already in severe chronic pain. But in general, I feel like that neuroscience of pain is super invaluable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, super valuable because I mean, I just, I love science and I just love the way that you're able to frame it and explain it. And it's, it just makes the, the whole picture so clear. And I think that yeah. is important. Like you said, the education piece is important because, you know, it's, it's one thing to say I'm in chronic pain. Like, how do I get out of it? But also to understand why it is persistently happening. Yeah. If you don't teach people why, it's the same stupid analogy, right? Like you can teach a man to fish. Right? Like if you, I can go feed people, I, but if you don't teach the man to fish, he can never catch food for himself. Yeah. It's the same yeah. you have to, I believe, a good healthcare provider is going to set things up in their clinic to allow their patients to learn what needs to be learned because we don't have enough time. And I can't, 
I could have enough time, but it's too expensive. My time is too expensive. So I, that's where the online programs came in is I was like, well, I can just get, include this in. And now they can go through this really important information they need to know. And it's through me. I already know they like me because they're coming to see me. So they'll probably listen to this video of me talking yeah. about pain um, and actually be able to do the work that's needed. And I'm helping them to be accountable with all this. But I don't even have to, I don't even have to try. My patients, once you start to learn this stuff, it just is so freaking empowering after you've been in, because like, think about it, when you were in that state and, and the way my patients are, they're so out of control. They have no control over the way that their body feels. And it is so disempowering. Mm -hmm. So to start to learn, oh my God, like I can have control over myself again. Like I can, I can feel good again. And I can heal myself. I don't need a Cairo. I don't need a massage service. I don't need these medications. I don't need the surgery. Like, no, I can do it. It's just, that's going to motivate people internally to have an intrinsic motivation. I'll just like keep going with it. Well, once you get there, you know, once you have that knowledge, that skill, it's like, you can never go back. Like I can, I can never imagine ever being chronically fatigued ever again, even if I wanted to, like, I don't no. think it's actually possible. Yeah. yeah, you are learn. You can't unlearn how to now fish well, right? For yourself, right? You can't <laughs> to use a tin can. <laughs> right. like you can't. You can't. Yeah, you're now. You're in a, a higher knowledge state of being of, yeah. of how yeah. to how to work this physical body that our souls are in. Yeah. <laughs> I, <knew it. laughs> I love it so much, Molly. Thank you so much for being here with us. Can you let our audience know where they can find you? As you guys can see, she is absolutely incredible, extremely knowledgeable, and just super fun to listen to. Um, where can they find more of your stuff? Um, okay. So I have an Instagram and I have a Facebook. So Instagram is at Dr. Molly Hart. No, just Dr. Molly. At, at Dr. Molly Hart. I don't look at me. I'm like, I don't even know. <laughs> I'll put it in the links time. below for sure. Show and then notes. Facebook is at Pelvic Balance PT. Um, my website is PelvicBalancePT.com. And then you can also find, you can just send me an email even if you wanted to as well, which is MollyHart at PelvicBalancePT.com. Um, other thing that I have, I do have a podcast that is called Sex on the Floor. I do that with a sex therapist that is specifically to talk about both the physical and the um, mental aspects of intimacy and relationships because I, I do treat so many people with physical problems with, with sex and I work with Katie Schubert. So those are my main things. On my website, I have a research-based blog post that comes out every other week specifically on pelvic health. So um, Dr. Jordan Schmidt is at our practice as well, and she writes those. Every other week we put those out there, and I send them out to my email list. So if you wanted to, to just learn more about pelvic health, if you're having issues, you can go and sign up on our newsletter on the website, and you'll start getting those every other week as well. It's so much awesome, invaluable information, and you are doing things to change people's lives and improve the world, and I just love that. I love you so, so you much, know. friend. <laughs> I know. It's, it's, I'm it's, happy to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Yeah, we <laughs> need to do this again. So questions, thoughts, comments, folks, let me know so that we can ask Dr. Molly the next time she comes back. And thanks again for being here.